connectors of taste, sommeliers are more than experts at pairing great wine and food. Hear from the wine, beer, and spirit storytellers we entrust to guide us towards the discovery of things we never even knew we loved on the Sommelier Podcast. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce. Welcome to the Sommelier Podcast. Today I'm joined by Evie Olson, Sommelier at Niso's Mediterranean. Evie, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Just nothing but positive energy, so I know it's going to be a great conversation. I mean, I just love connecting with people, and I'm so happy that we connected. Uh, yeah, it's been really, really cool yeah, getting to know each other and just vibing. I, yeah. I love good vibes. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah. And on that, um, you vibed with wine and fell in <laughs> love with it, and here we are. You become very, very passionate about wine and winemaking and just knowing everything that there is to know. Um, originally, you're from Minnesota, yes. right? Yeah. Found your way here uh, in Chicago by way of the lovables, right? Yes, Come yeah. Um, I'm a woman of many talents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that or I just I get very passionate about <laughs> lots of different things. Uh, so yes, I'm from Minnesota, don't you know, um, originally, and uh, I was dancing for the Timberwolves then, um, and still in college, you know, just a young young little gal, and then decided to move to the big city and try out for the Lovables, and was you know grateful uh, to to make it on the team, and I was working in sports broadcasting uh, at the time, and doing lots of different like. Uh, presenting for for sports uh, I was like hosting for Wolves Weekly uh, oh, nice. back in Minnesota and then I was at the Big Ten Network when I moved to Chicago uh, but when you're reporting presenting hosting anything you know you really need to be passionate about that subject matter and I found that I didn't want to I loved sports but I didn't want to like live breathe yeah. eat it and so I started doing more like lifestyle uh, segments to see like well what do I want to like on your own um, from different companies oh, okay. you know and just to see like well what am I passionate about what do I want to talk about and and present to the world and I, I had no idea it was going to be wine whatsoever but I ended up getting this gig uh, for this wine and spirit segment and I knew nothing about wine at the time. Like I couldn't even pronounce Sauvignon Blanc. Like I had no idea <laughs> what that was at all. I think at the time, <laughs> don't judge me. I think at the time, uh, you know, going going out with like the players and stuff after games or before games, the night before, we were drinking uh, Moscato mixed with vodka. Oh wow. I think that was wow. my my drink of choice. At the interesting. Time. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, so it was not drinking so anything. You evolved good. a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Just a little, a little bit. bit, yes. Yeah. Um, so I was I had to interview sommeliers around the city and thought, well, I, I should probably know a little bit more, you know, about my subject matter. So I took a course uh, through the Wine and Spirits Educational Trust, or WSET for short. Um, there's two main programs, um, at least here in, in the States. It's it's the WSET or the Court of Master Sommeliers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they both are programs where there's different levels, different certifications. Uh, one focuses a little bit more on service, so you'll get examined on how you serve a table as a sommelier. Uh, the other one is a little more academic, uh, so you're doing essays, you're talking about 
the viticulture, the vinification, uh, they expect you to know those things. Mm-hmm. And because I came from a broadcast journalism background, that seemed more appealing to me. So I went through that route, the WSET, and after the first class, I was I was hooked. hooked. Yeah, yeah, it was just, it's, it's, it will sound silly now, but you know they they had us taste like a cabernet. The first class, the first course is very basic. <laughs> it's very very rudimentary. Um, it's like don't mix alcohol with yeah, yeah moscato. Right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, don't mix moscato with vodka. Yeah. Um, but yeah, learning that Chablis is Chardonnay, or you know, and another thing that we we would do, we would take a cabernet, for instance, and you would take a bite of chocolate and then taste it. Mm. And then you would take a bite of an apple and taste it and see how it would change. Wow. And just seeing the difference, like how big of a difference it made, you know, from one taste to another, it was like, oh wow, this is more than just a beverage, you know? Like this is this is something different. And then, you know, you go from that to, oh, well there's, you know, the vintage determines what it tastes like. The producer's hand determines what it tastes like. So not only are you drinking liquid you're drinking like a time a place you know a story uh, right yeah exactly right i mean it's easy to see why you fell in love with it um yeah. and also the the relationship too as, as you mentioned with certain um uh, foods right that you could taste chocolate versus apple but also for you the the cultural aspect of it right became very apparent and and a big part of now your mission and just we talked as we were talking about earlier but just yeah. this identity around wine and, and who's consuming it and how you want to change that and be a part of the conversation that brings this to you know the people that don't really have access to it or have had historic access to it right yeah no absolutely um you know as i was going through my wine career my wine journey it became very apparent that there wasn't many other people that that looked like myself um as a black woman and it's you know it's somewhat comical um when I meet other black sommeliers, it's like, oh my gosh, hey, <laughs> how are you doing? You know, and and I remember my first wine uh, job I ever had was at this sort of prestigious wine wine shop, and I learned so much, and you know, got to travel to so many places. I think my first wine trip was to Burgundy and Champagne. Wow. So I got I got bougie really quickly. Really quickly. Yeah, exactly. Good for you though. What an experience. Yeah, you know, it really, really was. And but yeah, often it was you could tell that when I would meet these other winemakers, they were surprised almost to see me. Like, oh yeah. this is new. This is different. Um and then when, you know, young black women would come into the shop, they were like, like, oh this is so cool. Like I like how'd you get into this? Like, I don't, you know, I don't really see people like you. And, yeah. and, and the more that I heard that, and also just the more, I think the older that I've gotten, uh, the, the more that I want, the more I've wanted to get in touch, you know, with myself as a black woman and then with the black community. And because I've gone down this wine path, I think everyone can help in their own way. And I think my way is to, at least bring that wine community to the black community, right? right. Um, allow it, allow it to be, you know, equal, equal opportunity for for everyone. Where, 
you know, it's not such an anomaly that I see another black, you know, wine professional uh, where it becomes, you know, a little bit more uh, normal and everyday. Absolutely. And then also the aspiration is to be a master song for you and the significance of that, right? Yeah. Well, yes. So uh, level four advanced currently. So, um, yeah, after that first wine, <laughs> that first wine course, I was like, all right, I'm in it. <laughs> wow. So you're level four now. Level four now. Congratulations. Yes. yes. That's really amazing. And so I just now need to apply uh, for the MW, the Master of Wine. And if I get into the program, I would be the first uh, black female to, to ever do so. To get into the program? Yes. Crazy. Yes, yeah. And how do you feel about that? I mean, honestly, that's what keeps me me going, really, uh, because it's something bigger than myself. Right. And the, like, studying for this type of exam, it takes up your life, you know? It's it's really your every day. And I think sometimes to keep going, in, in order for it to not seem like a fatuous endeavor, uh, you have to make it bigger than yourself, right. you know? And it kind of gives me a purpose and a drive and a motivation outside of just the fact that I'm a geek and nerdy. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm doing this for all the other, you know, you know, black females out yeah. there, so. And, and and where do you see that kind of evolving right now as, as you work with Nisos, for example, and, and just being in Chicago, that it is so diverse and having that opportunity, right, as, as you grow in that and grow in your passion for it and your knowledge of it, right, how, how have you seen that kind of evolve for you um, in those communities? Sure. Um, I mean, I was very lucky to, when I first started in wine, I was very much surrounded uh, predominantly by men. And as time has gone on, I have gotten to meet and get to know and befriend so many powerful, strong intelligent uh, female wine professionals. And so developing, supporting that community has been um, a really uh, satisfying thing uh, for myself and hopefully for for them as well. Um, So that is definitely, I think, um, built over time and I want to continue to build. And I think as well, especially being at Nisos, that it's also spilled over, over to Nisos as well because our chef is a female chef. Our bar director at the moment is also female, and so we're this like female-led team, and I and I love seeing that yeah. because, you know, for the longest time the industry has been you know dominated by by men and 100 um, percent, and that's still rare though to see you know women led in that in, in so many aspects of it. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, so yeah, just to to see that and to champion it um, has has been really special. And, and what about as far as like the Chicago culture, right? Just because I think of it as, you know, a little more beer drinking and you see mm-hmm. that's, that's a very, uh, just a prominent thing, right? Where yeah. it's not so much, I think, like a real reason behind it, just accessibility and, you know. Perhaps. Right? Um, like, it's funny. Not, maybe not a choice is what I'm saying. Like yeah. if people had the choice, would they still choose it? Like, yeah, t- tell me a little about that, which is what you yeah. see that. It's, no, I see you smiling. So yeah, like, it's, just, it's, it's just funny to hear you say that because um, I might be biased. No, so, for sure, for sure. So I never really liked beer until yeah. I became a wine buyer for a wine shop and I had to taste beer. And I love tasting beer. Um, not going to lie, I've only drank a full thing of beer, I think, twice in my Oh, really? Life. Yeah. Um, and so... I haven't had that experience of it being a, a beer drinking, like Chicago being like a beer drinking city to me. Um, and it's because the people that I probably hang out with, right. like, oh, we all drink wine. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. In my eyes, I'm like, oh, everyone's drinking wine. Um, 
I would say, though, I think more um, generationally, I think like older generations probably drink more wine. For sure. And that's more just like an economic thing where, you know, like we're just not making as much money to buy the kinds of wines that, you know, the boomers did right. as, as millennials. Um, and, and you're seeing more accessible wines now on the market, but it's just my, I think my goal is okay. There's more wines that are more accessible price wise, but it's also making it accessible knowledge wise too, like making it approachable. Right. right and that's, right. and that's, I think my job is, is to make that approachable, make it seem less, uh, uh, daunting or less um, intimidating because I think wine can can definitely be that and my job other wine professionals job is to is to be that sort of mediator mitigate that a little bit more and so what do you do when those moments when people come to you and um, you know want to know more about wine maybe they're not into it but you know that they're, they're curious yeah like do you point them in a certain direction do you like what do those conversations look like for you yeah it's it's different every time so you know just asking lots of questions um, and you know, I feel like I'm pretty good at my job, so I, I usually can get. I, I think, I want to say always, but you know, there's always that one person maybe that, <laughs> that doesn't hit the mark. But um, I can get someone, you know, where they they'll discover their best, you know, their favorite wine, you know, and um, even if they've never had wine before, uh, a lot of times people will say like, "Oh, I only drink red," or "I only drink this," and now they're drinking champagne, they're drinking Riesling, and they're like, oh, I never knew wine could, or white wine could have such profundity and be so delicious. And I'm like, yeah, you just have to try. Yeah. And But the thing is, there's so much out there, and there's so little education, you know, unless you're a weirdo like myself, and, you know, take it upon yourself to, uh, you know, enroll in a wine, yeah, <laughs> a wine yeah. school. Um, you know, how else are you going to find out about it? Yeah. Unless, you know, I always <laughs> tell people, instead of shopping for your wines at the grocery store, you know, go to your local uh, wine shop because that that merchant will be able to give you more knowledge about the wine and tell you what's on the shelf and tell you, you know, the difference between a Gewürztraminer and, you know, and a Riesling. And why they put it there. Yeah, uh, yeah like exactly. They, they're usually the ones that chose it. Exactly, yeah. yes. Now, and the, like, in that, in that regard, too, where you have the choices that you do in Chicago, right? Um, what... Can someone who's trying to get into it now that is listening to it doesn't have access to someone like you says, all right, you know, how do I even get to the point where, because it even sounds intimidating, like as you're saying that, just to go to a wine shop and be like, oh, help me out, right? Yeah. I think a lot of people struggle with asking for help. That's true. So is there somewhere like a community, a guide, something that just kind of breaks things down simply that, you know, if people listening that can start in that direction? Sure. I mean, if you don't want to go out into the world just yet, yeah. you know, I would say, uh, reading up on it is always helpful, you know. So, uh, Wine Folly uh, is like an online platform. They also have a few books as well. Uh, that is like the sort of beginner's guide to to wine, and I utilize that so much. Really? In, yeah, in the beginning of my wine career, um, and then also, so I am. <laughs> very against like points on wines like scores <laughs> yeah oh, very you know like I mean, right, yeah. you know like oh this is a 98 and I'm like oh okay uh, <laughs> really yeah and however um, I I remember early on in my wine career reading Wine Spectator and looking at that it can be a gateway just to see what wines are out there mm. you know um, a little bit of trust and like with an experience of something? Yeah, like, you know, okay, supposedly this wine, it, it almost sort of builds your own palate. 
So someone said that this wine is 98 points. Well, let me see if I think it's that, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's all it is, is when people see scores, it's really just based off someone someone else's taste, right? right? And so it's uh, you're not meant to agree with that. Right. It's like, oh, well, let me try this wine. Right. And then you just... It's a starting point. It's right? a starting point. And then you develop your own taste. Like, do I like this? Do I not? And, and uh, yeah, and also it depends on the mood and what you're having for dinner. You know, like mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, a Chocolina, um, easy, spritzy, every day is going to be the perfect thing for that moment rather than that, you know, Petard Montreger. You know, so you don't always need a 98. Right. <laughs> For sure. and, and, and on that, how do you kind of approach um, wine just in general, like from that standpoint? Well, I guess let me back up for a second. I've seen these videos and th- these experiments, right, mm-hmm. of and, and studies that have even been done of this, of people's correlation to either price, mm-hmm. right, and wine. So it tastes better because it's more expensive or even to your point with uh, the rating scales that the same judge can evaluate the same bottle, same exact bottle of wine, and give it two different scores depending on when and how they taste it or whatever, right? Absolutely. So knowing that that there's all these factors that psychologically play into it that could deceive you in a sense, right? Is there a way that you approach it where you have this clean palate, this, you know, open approach to a truth to the wine, right? That, sure. Is that even a fair question? Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I think, why we have uh, blind tastings. Yeah. Um, so we know nothing about the wine. Uh, all we have is what's in the glass. And we do, whenever, like, a wine professional approaches a blind tasting, you do try to have the most, you know, um, uh, balanced palate, clear, clean palate as possible. So uh, you wouldn't brush your teeth right before, you know, you wouldn't eat a big, a big meal um, because whatever you've just ate or put into your mouth, that's what's going to sit on your mouth for a good hour, let's say 30 minutes before oh, you taste the, the next thing. Uh, so you always want to have like, I don't know, maybe like a piece of bread or something salty, just something very like bland um, before you go into it. And people usually like, after they have like a white wine, they'll like rinse their mouth or the glass with water. No need to do that. It won't do anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can just continue on as long as that wine. <laughs> yeah, as long as the wine wasn't sweet, you can just continue down down mm. the road of going to whites, to reds, and then to and then to sweet wines. Yeah. Yeah. And talk to me a little bit about the business of the sommelier, right? Like the branding yourself, the marketing yourself. I mean, you're mm-hmm. you're you're. It's evolved, right? Where now people are really having to own this this brand and this personal brand. What about for you? How does that relate into your online presence and mm. you know representing that for Nisos and even you know future opportunities? Like, how do you see that and yeah. and how have you been managing? That? I know that's something that you have as part of like goals and stuff. For yeah, yourself too, it is. Right? It is definitely a goal of mine to have more of like a social presence and to to build my brand right yeah. as a as a sommelier. Um, and I think I have like this uh, push and pull within myself because, you know, I love my favorite thing to do is to help people and to teach. Sure. And so if I can help someone find their favorite wine or the wine that pairs best with that, that dinner and like I can see the joy on their face, they're like, oh, like this was perfect like that just makes me so happy. Or um, if I'm doing a staff educational training or if I'm hosting, you know, a private wine tasting and people like 
I can see their eyes light up like, oh, I just discovered something like that. Uh, that gives me like a adrenaline rush kind of <laughs> like, I'm like, yes, like I, you know, I made that happen. Um, and it's funny because when I'm doing that in person, people are like, oh, you need to put this on video, you know? And I guess it's just hard for me <laughs> to put that on video in a authentic way because I never want to just be sitting somewhere with a video, like a camera in front of me, swirling a glass of wine, like telling people what they should be <laughs> tasting because that is absolutely boring. <laughs> it just, sure. It's pointless. I'm like, I, I wouldn't want to watch that. Yeah. Uh, and so in my head, my my ultimate goal is to have my own wine show, but it be a traveling wine show where there's movement, there's people, and it's more like an Anthony Bourdain-esque style where for him, the food was just a vehicle to tell the story of the people. Yeah. And going back to why I was so interested in wine in the first place, it's those stories you know, behind it. And and, and that's what I wanna show. And I think that also will break down that, that barrier, that intimidation factor is when you show that it's just people, like they're farmers, you yeah, know? Yeah. And you, you show that to the consumers, they're like, oh, and or why the wine changes, or why they couldn't get their favorite wine because it was out of stock. Well, you know, it, there was hail, and they only could make a certain amount of barrels this year. And a lot of people don't know that. I didn't know that starting out. And and then when you realize, not only is it a business, but it's the livelihoods of, of individuals. Um, you just connect with it a bit, For a bit sure. more. So. And do you see that kind of emerging within other sommeliers that are doing things like that, or um, is it still very much a you know sommeliers are just in restaurants and you know there's not as much content as you would think compared to other like you know whether it be chefs or whether it be you know sure. like people with something to add value wise of whether it be yeah no I think there's many more people better than than I am out there but like in the providing world, right? in the sommelier yeah, yeah, world yeah, yeah. Um, at least the wine professional world. Uh, providing content, mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, so I guess the sommelier, like I think, is a is a loaded term. I um, even before I ever worked the floor, uh, so that's providing service, like right, on a right. dining room floor, which to me, like that's a sommelier. Yep. Um, but even mm -hmm. before I became that, and I was going through the WSET program, um, and so I was a wine educator and a wine consultant and I was a sales rep. So meaning like I was knowledgeable about wine. And so if people hearing that, they're like, oh, so you're a sommelier. And I would just like, yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Cause it's a sort of like easy catch all term that, oh, you're a wine expert, yep. you know? Yep. And I, I hesitate to say expert cause you can never be an expert <laughs> in wine, but uh, you know, you're knowledgeable sure, about, sure, sure. about wine. Um, so, I think actual sommeliers that are in the restaurant working the floor probably don't have the time <laughs> to create a lot of content. Interesting. Um, again, I'm sure there's some out there that their social media presence is probably far better than, than my own. Yeah. Um, but I do see a lot of like wine professionals, um, you know, th that are doing those videos of like how here's how to open a bottle of champagne. Here's how to tell the difference between, you know, this and that. Um, and, and, and also, uh, companies like 750 daily, they'll produce videos of a wine professional doing a blind tasting and they'll say like, what do you think it is? And so there are some like educational and really helpful, um, you know, media out there. Do I think there could be more? Absolutely. Do I think there could be, uh, more, uh, 
uh, more detailed, you know, uh, content out there. Absolutely. Mm. Um, but mm. actually, I think there's. Um, so the producers that did the the movie Psalm, mm-hmm. which a lot of people saw on Netflix, they have their own like online platform, which has like all wine content. Oh, interesting. But again, I feel like it's usually only the nerdiest wine people that yeah, that, that know yep. that know about it. Yep. And so, um, I think my goal is is to provide that content for more of the masses, but not dumbing it down. And that's a big thing. For me, because I see a lot of it like just really, really dumbed down, and I, my goal is to somehow make it interesting and approachable for the novice, but also interesting and exciting for the wine professional who has been in it for years and years and years. Well, it's all very exciting. I could see the passion behind it all. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome that you're studying for this, and I can just tell you're gonna you're gonna do well no matter what. So, uh, I appreciate you for coming in and sharing your story. Yeah, just for all the positive vibes. No, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I will talk about wine any day. As you can tell, I'm a very loquacious person. So <laughs> get me on the topic of wine and I'll, I'll go all day long. So anytime. Wow.